Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where each week we take you back into history and uncover some strange new thing that you may not have heard about. I am your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me, as ever, is my lovely co-host, Amelia Edwards. Why, hello. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, We've got a timely episode here uh, because it was Valentine's Day about two and a half weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) The episode this week is a topic which... Well, you know my mum listens to this. Yes. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Zoe. This is a personal message to you. You may not want to listen to this one. (laughs) You may not want to, because we're talking this week about a celestial sex bed. Well, why didn't you get me that for Valentine's Day? (laughs) So... If you are put off by such subjects, if you don't want to hear about beliefs that semen is magnetic, um, then this probably isn't the episode for you. But I'm not sure if this is the episode for me. <laughs> well, okay. So we're t- I'm talking this week about Dr. James Graham. Okay. Who is known as one of the great emperors of quacks. Okay. An emperor of quacks. Yes. Not merely a quack. No. Not a king of quacks. No, an emperor of quacks. Wow. Now, quack is obviously a disparaging term for doctors who basically peddled shite. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We're talking about here, about the 18th century. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doctoring was kind of getting underway, like we were having the Enlightenment and Mm -hmm. people were starting to go like, hey, maybe we should approach this in a more scientific way. But at the same time, it meant that a lot of people came up with some really weird ideas about how the body worked and how we should treat it. Okay. So we've talked about some doctors in Mm. the 18th century before, I believe. We've had Our Lady who gave birth to rabbits. Was that the 18th century? Yeah, that was. I think. Yeah. And we've also (laughs) had... Oh my gosh, what was his name? The guy who ate too much. Oh, Terere. Terere. Yeah. Was that the 18th century? I believe that was, yeah. That was the 18th century. I, I believe that, they, that was late 18th century. And they both had some insane doctors yeah. who either couldn't work out what was going on but didn't really care mm. or did know what was going on and were in on it. Yeah. It's it, it's of this sort of era that we're looking here. Okay. So Dr. James Graham, mm-hmm. well, he wasn't, doctor at this point because i'm saying he was born Uh, he was not born a doctor (laughs) he came out with a little stethoscope (laughs) in a white coat (laughs) banging on about magnetic semen um (laughs) oh my god yeah okay so he was born in edinburgh in 1745 okay now scotland was really big on doctors at the time as i recall it was yeah so he attended medical school in edinburgh Mm mm-hmm um, but he didn't graduate. Now, okay. this was actually quite common at the time. Uh, one of the reasons that Scotland had sort of like this slightly more advanced healthcare system, as it were, yeah. was that they were producing a lot of doctors. But they kind of like, the idea was you could go to medical school mm-hmm. and if you graduated, you didn't pay for it. Right, okay. But it was also pretty tough. So a lot of people would drop out. So... A lot of people went in mm-hmm. because there was this whole like, hey, your education is basically free if yeah. you complete the whole course. That's actually incredible for the time. I know, right? It's kind of, it's like, it's a really interesting way of doing it. Yeah. But yeah, Dr. Graham did not pass his medical school. Okay. Did you have to pass medical school to become a doctor? 
it wasn't a protected term really because they didn't really have a way of checking up on people in that regard okay great like, i guess i guess we are talking about the era of body snatchers as well exactly. there's all kinds of mad shit going on in edinburgh in yeah. doctoring in the yeah. 18 early 18th century yeah yeah he quickly adopted the title of doctor wonderful even though he technically wasn't he was a nutritionist <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> Well, he was he was still pretty intelligent, even though he didn't pass his degree, basically. Mm-hmm. He was intelligent enough that at the age of 19, he moved to Yorkshire and set up an apothecary. Wow, all right. And did pretty well for himself. He married a woman by the name of Mary Pickering, and they had three children together. Oh, nice. So he was having a pretty nice life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds pretty cute. Now... For some reason, I don't know why he did this. Okay. No one has been able to give me a good answer. And no one can even really agree on the year. But at some point between 1769 and 1771, he decided to go to America. Okay. Because he wanted to travel around America and practice as an oculist and aurist. Okay. So So treating eyes and ears. Nice. And the thing is, you would expect that a gentleman who failed his medical degree and then just sort of set up an apothecary to not really be the best person to work on people's eyes and ears. That's true. They are tricky um, (laughs) Delicate, yeah. yeah. But he was actually really successful. Okay. He treated cataracts. uh, Oh, okay. He performed surgery and he would uh, help people out with various ear problems ranging from infection to complete deafness. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and he would also frequently treat people for free. Wow. Okay. Like, if they were poor and like could not afford anything like this, he just went like, yeah, fine, I'll treat you. Oh, well, that's pretty nice of him. It is. What we'll actually see a lot about uh, James Graham is that he had some really progressive views mm. and then some other views which were mad. Okay, cool. I mean, that's a lot of people throughout history, isn't it? I mean, yes, it is. Absolutely. Uh, James Graham just really sticks out for a number of reasons. But sure. Anyway. Okay. So now I'm imagining him traveling around in a van, a bit like the one in um, Django Unchained with oh, like... yeah, with the tooth on top. Yeah, but it's so that an it's an eye. An <laughs> or an eye inside an ear. Oh, creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should we go to this doctor? No, he no. looks mad. <laughs> Why is he sticking eyes and ears? He is the Cthulhu doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Did his wife and children go with him? I don't know. Okay. Like, this is the thing. I don't know why he went to America, and I don't know if he took his wife and children with him. Okay, it's, fair enough. It's weird. And I- I've got to assume he did, because... Spoiler, he doesn't go back to Yorkshire. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's never stopped anyone else leaving their wife and kids I behind. I mean, that's, that's true. That's but, true. All right. So, but he's a traveling doctor. He's right? a traveling doctor. Lovely. And one day he goes into Philadelphia. Okay. And he meets a close associate of Benjamin Franklin. Yay. Uh, this close associate, a man by Ebenezer Kinnersley. Sorry, we've got to pause there. <laughs> What a great name. It's a good name, isn't it? I didn't know anyone was actually called Ebenezer. (laughs) Well, apparently there were. You know, this is the first time I've actually said that name out loud. And now I say it, it's like, yeah, that's a great name. It's such a good name. Ebenezer Kinnersley. Ebenezer Kinnersley. Someone write a book with that as the hero. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this was a close associate of Benjamin Franklin Mm -hmm. and worked with him particularly on his studies of... What's Benjamin Franklin known for? 
Electricity. Electricity. Hey! There are so many things he's known for. That was a wild guess. Oh, well, well done. I mean, you're right. There could be any number of things. like Libraries. His, <laughs> libraries, his uh, salacious lust for prostitutes. Um, Study of the Gulf Stream. Yep. <laughs> the Glass Armonica. That comes up later. Yes, I love the Glass Armonica. <laughs> Do you want to explain what that is? So, for those of you who don't know, the Glass Armonica was basically Benjamin Franklin's way of improving on the glass harp, which is when you get loads of wine glasses and you wet your finger and play music on it. As you may know from the popular um, film Miss Congeniality. <laughs> um, but he's got this kind of like spinny version that looks a bit like a piano and you can play music on it. Um, if you look at up, there's some really good examples of Hedwig's theme from Harry Potter being played oh, on the wow. glass harmonica. Yeah, I could see that working quite nicely. It's super nice. It's kind of haunting and ethereal and yeah. like a, a little bit otherworldly. And also there was a theory that people went mad from playing it. Well, that could be what happened to James Graham. Oh my gosh! Um, okay, so, let, let's crack on okay. I'm excited. So electricity was new and popular at the time mm. and people were kind of trying to find uses for it because it yeah. was clearly this very powerful thing but no one really kind of you know, like we were yeah. in very early stages of science around electricity yeah you're here. kind of like oh look if you send it into frogs legs then they move but yeah. what can we do with humans well that's the thing uh james graham was really taken with it and he was particularly taken with the possibility for medical uses yeah that makes sense uh he was he wrote that electricity invigorates the whole body and remedies all physical defects all of them all of them he basically hey i'm missing a leg <laughs> could electricity do something about hell that? yeah stick your finger in a main socket that leg grows right back <laughs> awesome okay <laughs> yeah he definitely saw it as a sort of panacea yeah and i mean, I mean it's understandable isn't it yeah like, i mean you've got this like mad new force that does things that like, you've never seen before mm -hmm. like who knows what it can do it probably can regrow a limb well they think it can bring frogs back to life at this yeah. point so and you've got frankenstein being written and people thinking maybe mm. you can bring back the dead which exactly. would be amazing so really it's not that much of a stretch to go hey maybe that will cure your eczema yeah i mean <laughs> yeah fair enough yeah so he returns to England basically because the American Revolution is happening. Okay, or yeah. Or it's about to happen. Yep. And he's like, I'm going to get out of here. Fair enough. So he flees in 1774 mm -hmm. and he sets up a practice in Bristol. Okay. And there he begins promoting his sort of healthy lifestyle view. Okay. I love guys who do this. Like, we listen to the podcast Sawbones a fair amount, and there are always people who kind of, back in the day, decided that one thing was good for you, and then they were going to tell you how to live your whole life according to this idea, and I love every single one of them. But you know what was different about James Graham? What? In some ways, he was actually right. What? <laughs> okay. So... His health advice was really advanced for the era. He he advocated for a vegetarian diet. Okay. And like, he's, that's pretty... That's like par for the course, isn't it? You've well, got to do the vegetarian diet. I mean, yes, but he also thought that people should eat plenty of fruits and vegetables. Okay. Uh, they should exercise regularly. Okay. And that they should uh, wash regularly uh, with cold water. Oh, 
Oh, all right. Yeah. So he's 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 pretty much right on the money. Like, yeah. I don't, it doesn't have to be cold water, but he was but very, washing regularly. Yeah. Is, yeah, that's important. He was very insistent it should be cold. Though. He had this real thing about the cold being good for you. Well, I can understand that, actually. There was like there are often people who kind of assume that specific temperatures are particularly mm. something good. Like even nowadays, you can get this kind of treatment where you just sit in a in a box that like freezes you yes that's true i'd like to do that yeah i like like, the cold is it cryotherapy (laughs) yeah yes there's there's a place in norwich that does that nice (laughs) so he had all these sort of like health advice ideas but more than that he was interested in one particular aspect of healthcare okay sexual cleanliness uh Okay. He thought that not only washing yourself was very important, that mm-hmm. you should be you should take extra consideration to wash your genitals and keep them clean. Well, I mean, that's some good advice. Ladies can get certain infections if people aren't particularly clean with their genitals. Yeah, that's true. And he he wrote about the subject at great length. Uh, I have something he wrote about it here. Go on. See if you know what he's talking about here when he says certain parts which next morning after a laborious night would be relaxed, lank and pendulous, like the two eyes of a dead sheep dangling in a wet empty calf's bladder. (laughs) By the frequent and judicious use of the icy cold water would be like a couple of steel balls of a pound apiece enclosed in a firm purse of uncut Manchester velvet. Okay. I'm starting to see his interest in cold water now. If if your whole thing is like, oh hey, your uh, testicles retract <laughs> when when you put cold water on, it, and that makes them more aesthetically pleasing. Yep. Sure. Okay. <laughs> like if if that's if that's how you want to appear, then <laughs> go for it, man. Well, he was he was pretty popular, and he advertised his various health practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was advertised as using effluvia, vapors, and applications, ethereal, magnetic, or electric. Okay, that's a lot of words that I know, but I don't know what they mean in this context. <laughs> no, so from what I can kind of see, he... Nowadays, we would say he was into aromatherapy. Okay. Uh, he liked to sort of like, I guess you could call it like Reiki healing, like using magnetic fields to like... Okay. Stimulate health in some way. And of course, electricity. Like, he's one of the early advocates for copper bracelets for rheumatism. Yes, exactly, that sort of thing. Yeah. And he was really successful. Oh, yeah, I bet he was. Yeah. This guy has all the answers. He does. And he was successful enough that he got to move to Bath, which was a much richer area. Yeah, very fancy. He set up a practice there, and he also was able to take the time off to travel around Holland, Germany, and Russia. Wow. And learn more about sort of different ideas of medicine. Okay. In 1778, though, was when he developed his first sort of real celebrity. Because he treated the famous historian and egalitarian Catherine Macaulay. Okay. 
Do you know about Catherine McCauley? I've not heard of Catherine McCauley. She's interesting. She's someone I think I could do like another episode on. Okay. Uh, she was a woman who incredibly ahead of her time mm-hmm. uh, and very famous for basically for being incredibly smart. Okay. At a time when sort of higher society ladies, it was much more important, you know, who they were sleeping with yeah. and everything like that. Like and intelligence she, is discouraged. Exactly. Yeah. But she was very intelligent and kind of just went, well, screw you all. I'm great. Okay. Well, good for her. So at the age of 47, she went to Dr. Graham Mm -hmm. and basically was like, we don't know the specific complaint, but it seems to be she was just like lethargic, lacking in energy and just sort of like wanted a bit of a pick me up. Okay. And whatever treatment he did, because again, we don't know. Okay. It worked because she discovered a new zest for life and actually met and almost immediately married James's younger brother, William. Okay. And this was scandalous at the time because she was 47 and he was 21. Oof. I'm not sure about that, Charlotte. Well, no, but it was seen as a sort of advert for the effects of his rejuvenation powers. I can see that, yeah. It's like, this is a 47-year-old woman who, you know... Should be getting towards her dotage because it's you know regency era but now she can keep up with her toy boy oh my god <laughs> yeah okay wow and this only gained he only gained further fame the next year he treated georgiana the duchess of devonshire mm-hmm. who was very popular very famous i know at the time. her yeah yeah and she was having trouble conceiving okay and she went to him i don't know the results of it Mm -hmm. but she definitely thought he was great and became kind of a sponsor for him Mm. so he was on the up yeah and he began his great works now in london oh wow all right yeah he was wealthy enough and famous or notorious in some ways enough Mm -hmm. to open another premises, this time in the very fashionable Adelphi district of Westminster in London. Okay. Which was a recent development and it was ultra fashionable, Mm -hmm. like super hipster area you could think of now. (laughs) All right. Uh, It it was expensive. Yeah. He's got the cash. Yeah. Wow. All right. And he opened his Temple of Health. I love it. Okay. At this point, he's kind of mixing his doctoring, for want of a better term, Mm -hmm. with kind of a performance style. Okay. He seemed really interested in the ancient Greeks and styled a lot of stuff after them. All right. So his Temple of Health uh, had people playing different characters, not so much putting on a play, but just acting at, in situ. Okay. So there were rumours that Emma Hamilton, mm-hmm. the mistress of Lord Nelson, yes, that she performed there while dressed as Hebe, the Greek goddess of youth. Wasn't Emma Hamilton, like, famously obese? Um, not that I've seen in pictures of her. Okay. I'm probably thinking of somebody else. I think you are. Mm. But it it was this sort of thing. So he'd hire like very beautiful people, dress them up as Greek gods and goddesses. And they would sort of prance around the place. He also had two giant porters who were basically bouncers for the temple. Yeah. 
And they were referred to as Gog and Magog. I love it. <laughs> Shout out to the episode I did earlier about yeah. um, Brutus and the ancient giants who used to rule England. Exactly. So he's definitely got this sort of like theatrical thing going on. Do you know what? I love this. I do like, too. It, okay, so it kind of sounds to me like this probably did work because mm. he's got all these wealthy, fashionable people going to him. Yeah. But he's basically offering kind of like a spa treatment. That's exactly how I kind of envisage it. It's like yeah. it's a health spa. Yeah. So like these things might not really work in terms of like physical mm. health, but they do seem to be improving people's mental health because they're kind of getting like a little bit of a relax and regeneration thing going on yeah which makes sense in fact to further the spa idea he had not only mud baths Mm -hmm. he had earth baths what's an earth bath it doesn't sound as nice as a mud bath is it like drier (laughs) it is much drier okay basically dig a hole in the ground okay go into the hole up to your neck all right and then fill the hole in with earth and mosses no, I think I'd like that. I, I I guess there is a sort of like comforting thing, but it obviously like he promoted it as this idea that the earth would like, you would absorb good nutrients from the earth. Oh my gosh. So have you heard of grounding? Yes, you've told me about this, but so, tell our audience. So um, these people keep advertising at me on Facebook. <laughs> Actually, they've stopped now. Maybe they'll do it again now that I've mentioned it on the podcast. <laughs> Um, basically, there's this kind of new age type idea that if you want to be truly healthy, you have to be in contact with the earth. Mm. So like go outside with no socks and shoes on, that kind of thing. But then these people on on Facebook have like come up with this brand new idea, which I think is so funny, where you get this blanket, right? Which is kind of like um, a metal blanket, yeah. like metallic. And you plug it in to your like to the electric mains mains. you don't turn it on though (laughs) but because you know how the mains has a grounding cable like that's what grounds it (laughs) so when you sleep with this electric blanket thingy you've um you've grounded yourself and you get exactly the same benefits that you'd get being outside barefoot right and what are those benefits Basically, you're just more healthy. You feel more enlivened. You feel you feel better about yourself. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So that's bollocks. Yeah, no, it totally <laughs> is. But I mean, doesn't this thing that he's yeah. doing just sound exactly like it would do the do exactly the same thing, but also with like a little bit of pressure, which I think would be the nice thing. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I mean, like I said, he was definitely in this idea that you'd absorb nutrients or mm-hmm. like toxins would be leached out or so, that that sort of thing. Oh, sure. Um, some people really went for it. Some people really didn't. Yeah. Um, there were some people who were like, I did this once. They stripped me naked and put me in a hole. Never <laughs> again. <laughs> I mean, okay. But imagine that you're a high society, fashionable person yeah. of the, where are we at at this point in time? Uh, Late 1700s? Yeah. Okay, so you, you've you seen people in the late 1700s, you've seen their costume that yeah. they had to wear. Like, imagine just the change from being that uptight with that much starch around mm. you to being, like, buried in a hole for a bit. That might actually be, like, super nice. Yeah, actually, yeah, saying it now, yeah. it probably is quite the relief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Temple of Health was incredibly popular, to the point that Dr. Graham had to introduce a one-way system. 
Okay, okay. Because they had to cope with the throngs of people moving through it. And then he also day. put like little markers on the floor to tell you to stay two meters. <laughs> no, don't, don't. I'm trying to forget about that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it was very popular mm-hmm. and had some really wealthy and influential patrons who were like, this is amazing. Mm. So Dr. Graham decides he's going to open up another premises. Okay. And this one is not just related to health, but related to his other great interest sexual health and also uh fertility because he was a great believer that you know people should be having as many babies as possible sure i mean if if that's what you're into he had it as a sort of patriotic duty sort of thing that makes sense like we've just had a big war with america we're gonna have another war soon you've got to have as many kids as possible for sure yeah so in order to sort of emphasize this is the idea, the second premises located in Pall Mall mm-hmm. is the Temple of Hymen. Lovely. Yes. God of marriage. Yes, indeed. And in this temple, there was really only one main attraction. Okay. The celestial sex bed. <laughs> I'll just you can say it as many times as you want it's, it's always going to be funny oh yeah okay oh yeah so this is something that graham had been working on for many years and when you when you kind of like i'll say it now there are no surviving illustrations of it which oh, is such shame. a shame because it sounds like it's just amazing just as a feat of engineering okay so The frame of the bed was decorated with gilded dragons. Mm -hmm. There were glass columns and erotic illustrations (laughs) around. Oh my God. Has he been... No, wait, they haven't even built... Have they built the pavilion by this point? I don't think so. I don't think so, no. But it sounds like the pavilion. It does. Plus erotic imagery. Yeah. Above the bed was a canopy. Okay. And there were little sort of perfume dispensers in there. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, mixed with an invigorating dash of ether. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, doesn't ether just put you out? Yeah. If you, you if know. If you take enough of it. Yeah. All but right. A little bit of it. Ooh, ooh a, li- a little sort of like, oh, how nice. Okay. Uh, how relaxing. <laughs> If you say so. There was also a large mirror above the bed. Oh my god. Of yep. course. Like what what is going on here? <laughs> like <laughs> Well, well I'll tell you. Uh, okay, bit. okay. So we've got this large mirror above the bed. He also sure. had live turtle doves flying around. No. <laughs> what? Okay, so I'm imagining that this is like a full poster, right? It's well it's so the bed itself is huge. The mattress was twelve feet by nine feet, Ooh. and it was in the middle of a large room. Okay, and it had these glass columns around it, and like all the imagery around. Okay, uh, it was lit in particular ways so that you know the bed was lit. Everything around was like slightly darker, and uh, yeah, you're laughing now. <laughs> no, no, it's it's a completely different thing. But like uh, one of our friends uh, got went on a cruise with his parents. <laughs> a few years ago yeah. and his parents and his brother and his brother's fiance um, were staying in like couple rooms yeah. um, so I think his parents felt bad about that situation because <laughs> they put him in this like it, it, it was a room meant for single people yeah but not in a sort of like sad way just definitely in a you may want to hook up with someone <laughs> kind of way and it came with a like a magazine rack and like 
color changing lights <laughs> and he was convinced that it was meant to be a hookup room oh like, that sounds like it it was wild <laughs> if only it had the celestial sex beds if only it had had the celestial sex beds so to go back to the description because there's still more to come oh my god okay uh, like i'm worried about the turtle doves here yeah i am too like Thinking about it, it's like, I get the idea that you've got, like, live birds around, like, yeah. fluttering around and singing. I just wonder where they're going to shit. That's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Birds are not known for their, you know, careful shitting patterns. No. <laughs> but anyway, the mattress, as I said, 12 feet by 9 feet, mm-hmm. filled with the hair of stallions. Oh, my God. And sweet new wheat or oat straw mingled with balm, rose leaves, and lavender flowers. Okay. It also had silk sheets, which were available in different colours, so you could choose your colour. <gasps> oh, I love it. Before you entered. And then when your son and heir grows up, you could be like, child, you need to know you were conceived on <laughs> lavender sheets. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. An electrical current was run through copper coils in the headboard in order to fill the air with a magnetic fluid that encouraged the necessary degree of strength and exertion to the nerves. Okay. Do do you think that this would cause static? Yes. Okay. It was very much designed to create a field of static electricity. And part of this was that Dr. Graham had a belief that was surprisingly common at the time that semen was magnetic. That makes so much sense, actually. Yeah. No, I get that entirely because they didn't know that sperm had little tails, right? Yeah. <laughs> so how else would it get there? Exactly. So you, you get like yeah, you, you I get I the logic. It. I it's get the wrong. logic. It's bad, but it's 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 there. But that also means, doesn't it, that like the ovaries must must be made of metal. <laughs> I don't think they understood magnetism that well. Oh, otherwise, okay. you wouldn't think that semen, a liquid, <laughs> is magnetic. You could have a magnetic liquid. A, a non-ferrous liquid. <laughs> sure, all right. Yeah. Uh, the bed could also play music by itself. <laughs> what? How? So the bed could be tilted and move around because Dr. Graham, and this is actually something that is quite advanced for the time, he had a belief that mutual sexual pleasure was important. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, that is important. Yeah. Did you know that in the 1960s, the government actually set out sent out pamphlets to say that women should be experiencing pleasure during sex? That's mad. Because people really had no clue. Yeah. Like they didn't think that that was a thing but no dr graham was well up on this and he was actually he was quite an advocate for women's rights and women in education oh good for him yeah well that makes a lot of sense he's got a lot of female um patrons yeah so you know Hmm. not not bad well done dr graham so yeah like i said this bed could be tilted okay (laughs) in order to put the couple in the most advantageous position wonderful for whatever sort of sex they were doing okay and the movement of the bed would influence an organ a set of organ pipes oh no so it would produce different music as it moved around yes but it's gonna sound like a bad harmonica no apparently it was quite good really like it was set up in such a way that it wouldn't be discordant okay it was more like a sort of preset type of music this is this is just hilarious okay but don't worry because if if the music ever was struggling yeah one of the downsides of the celestial sex (laughs) (laughs) 
And that's a sentence and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, what was one of the downsides of the celestial sex pest? So I've already said how, you know, they're pumping perfume into this place and like they're, they're, they're producing nice ethers and yeah. that. That had to be topped up by attendance. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that one. Yeah, so you did have people in the room, and one of those people would be playing a glass harmonica. Yay! Okay. So even if the bed music wasn't working out very well, you still had a dude rubbing wet fingers on <laughs> glass. Slowly going insane. <laughs> So, yeah, it's not a private event, the celestial sex bed. I'll say that. Okay, yeah. So I'm kind of imagining that this is for, like, couples who have tried it all. Like, they've been waiting a while. It's not really been working out for them. Mm. Like, and now they... They've decided, you know, enough's enough. Let's let's go all out. <laughs> let's get on that celestial sex bed. Well, it was also advertised as a fertility treatment as well because mm. of the judicious use of static electricity. Oh, yeah. So the idea was that you could go not only have a nice time, but yeah. also conceive. Yeah, I, I kind of assumed that was like yeah. the, the point. Yeah. Now, a downside to this, another okay. downside to the celestial sex bed um. <laughs> is, as you can imagine, all this sort of like weird luxury and what's the word I'm looking for decadence yeah was incredibly expensive to run I imagine it was so in order to offset the cost would you like to take a guess at how much a night in the celestial sex bed cost bearing in mind Mm -hmm. that the average working man's wage at the time was eight shillings a week okay I'm going to imagine it's something mad, like a thousand pounds. Oh, no, no. Come on, don't over-egg it like okay, that. Okay, a hundred pounds then. Fifty pounds. Fifty pounds. Between fifty and a hundred pounds okay. for a night. Okay. So this is not, like, this is a special occasion. <laughs> oh, sure. Like, this is this is exactly what I'm, why I'm imagining these couples who've been... Yeah. Like infertile for a while. Yeah. Or maybe have had like five daughters and they're like, for God's sake, <laughs> we need somebody to give the inheritance to. Yeah. So as I say, unfortunately, no illustrations of the bed survive. That's which, a shame. It's such a shame. Um, we'll get on to something though that is great later on. Okay. So the Temple of Hymen not only offered the celestial sex bed, but also had a lecture theatre. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And you could hear Dr. Graham give really frank lectures on sex and procreation. All right. As well as, and this is the side where we kind of go, mm, Dr. Graham, he, he thought that prostitution and masturbation were evil, basically. Okay. And it makes sense when you think like, here's a guy who thinks it's your patriotic duty to have children. Yeah. I guess, like, I, I think the thing is, I can imagine doctors particularly thinking of prostitution as yeah. evil at the time when because people knew that it was spreading disease. Yeah. And it was, like, people didn't know how to deal with syphilis. Yeah. And it's one of those things that was, like, so awful back in those days. So you can still see pictures of people suffering from syphilis. A little grim. Yeah. Why, why do you want to do that? No, 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 you don't. <laughs> um, but like, I found them out because I was uh, I was learning a bit more about uh, Dracula. Oh, okay. Okay, so sufferers from syphilis used to occasionally, like when they got to like, I think it's like third stage syphilis. Right. They used to get these like, growths these boils all over their neck and their heads 
Brim. Um, like a pox. Yeah. But it kind of sort of resembles like it's a blood disease and it looks like right. you might have been vampirized yeah. almost. Okay. But it's that whole like two marks on the neck thing from the vampire teeth. Yeah. But it used to be pretty horrendous. Like, you know how people used to wear wigs back in those days? Yeah. Syphilis is the reason. Oh, okay. Because it used to make people's hair fall out. Oh. Um, so the wigs started being worn because a lot of men were losing their hair and like had basically kind of like boils all yeah. over the back of their head that they wanted to cover up. So they would wear these gigantic wigs and then that just became the fashion. So everyone was wearing them. You know what they should have done instead? What? They should have been washing their genitals with cold water. I don't think that's going to do it. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> but like, that's why I can imagine people thinking of prostitution as yeah. particularly an evil. Yeah, and there's there's always been like a sort of oh, sure, religious there is also aversion religious to masturbation thing. and, and uh, prostitution. So, yeah. yeah. But you could hear these lectures uh, for two guineas. Which, a bit steep, but, you know, you got a little freebie at the end. Okay. Because if you stayed around, you could sit in your seat and have a free electric shock for health reasons. There were... I love it. (laughs) There were brass connectors concealed in the padding of each seat. So you didn't even have to get up. You just sat there and, oh, oh, what a a night. I I feel rejuvenated. I love it. And my semen is magnetic. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was... That's probably quite nice if you're expecting it, like a sort of tingle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's the point. Like, we don't know exactly how strong these shocks were. I doubt it's going to be like twelve thousand volts suddenly into you. I hope not. I hope it's more like the time when I was young and wondered what would happen if I sucked on one of those like single-ended batteries. Yeah, yeah. So, despite his success, Doctor Graham had a number of enemies, particularly in the press. Okay, and. He himself was suffering from chronic mental health problems. Oh, no. Yeah. that Basically, he had an undiagnosed condition that was just untreated and was getting worse over time. Mm. And between being mocked in the press and his behavior getting a little bit more weird, he was not having a good time. Yeah. And his finances began to suffer because... The temples mm-hmm. had incredibly high running costs. Like that makes sense. You're paying actors and porters and people to dig the holes for the earth baths, mm-hmm. and then you've got to like have this sex bed. You've got to keep yourself. You've got to keep up your stocks of turtle doves. Yeah, and absolutely. Ether. Yeah, and yeah, all the perfumes as well. My God, can you imagine how expensive this is? I have no Not- idea how they would have been generating electricity at this time, but I can't imagine it was cheap. No, probably not. So even though he had a number of wealthy patrons, Mm -hmm. it was not making up the costs. And in 1783, the temples were forced to close and he was forced to sell them off in order to just sort of live. Mm. So in order to try and, you know, still promote his whole healthy lifestyle idea, despite sort of worsening public opinion as more people were kind of exposing quack doctors, Mm -hmm. he tried to go on a lecture circuit Okay. But he found that many places outside of London were not receptive to his progressive views. Yeah. And his very frank views about sex. I can imagine they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. He also um, preached for the abolition of slavery. Okay. Uh, as well as he basically said that war was never a moral thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pro- he 
promoted religious tolerance and vegetarianism and, as I said before, women's rights and the right for women in education Mm -hmm. and the humane treatment of animals. So he was definitely ahead of his time in many ways and definitely went against the prevailing orthodoxy. Yeah, I can imagine a lot of those opinions weren't very popular. Yeah, well... The sad thing is that he he wasn't even allowed to lecture in his home city of Edinburgh. Really? The magistrates forbade him from giving his lectures, and he tried to sue them as a result. Yeah. Because, you know, freedom of speech and that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Proto-freedom of speech. Um, But the problem was that his accusers were also his judges. Oh, no. So... They found against him. Mm -hmm. He was fined £20 and he was jailed until he could pay it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I really need to know more about Scotland at this time because we've talked a bit about Robert Burns and the Mm. issues that he was having um, like a little later on. Yeah. But with the same kind of conservative viewpoints, I guess. Yeah. Don't get women pregnant. So he managed to pay off his debt, got Mm -hmm. out of jail and decided, you know, he wanted to continue lecturing, but his mental health was worsening by the day. And it was to a point where people were no longer charmed by his eccentricity. They were getting really put off by it. Yeah. Okay. This included stuff like he would sometimes give lectures in an earth bath. Wow. So he would be buried up to his neck. Yeah. And so it's just his head out and he would give a lecture, which is like... Sounds kind of fun, but at the same time, when this person also starts spouting some weird bollocks, yeah, you're like, I'm not comfortable with this situation. I don't want to be lectured by a head. No. <laughs> also, like, while that sounds like a good idea, it, it wouldn't make for a good lecture because no. you wouldn't be able to see him if you went yeah, to the front row. That's very true as well. <laughs> he also started to uh, believe that wearing wool was very bad for you. Okay. Because of its, like, how it would interact with static electricity. Uh, Yeah, okay. Okay, that makes sense. And also because it was very warm. Yes, but we live in the UK, so... He still believed that, you know, you had to be as cold as possible. He uh, would wear... Instead, he would wear linen Mm -hmm. and very sort of, like, cheap, undyed linen. Okay. This didn't stop him from sometimes stripping naked in the street... In order to give his clothes to the homeless and the poor, which, you know, very St. Francis of him. It is, but I'm also quite worried about him. Yeah, he got arrested on multiple occasions for public nudity because of this. Uh, He also began sleeping naked with no blankets or coverings of any sort and with all his windows open in Edinburgh including in the winter oh no yeah that's just making me think too much of jonathan strange and mr norrell <laughs> yes so yeah. if you haven't read jonathan strange and mr norrell please do so yeah it you're was, missing out it's amazing and it was so well researched yeah. but it's kind of like a fantasy universe set around the early 1800s yeah there is a character in it who is trying to punish his servant for having been slightly rubbish and had a and having had a go <laughs> at him and he leaves the windows open overnight in I think it's not Scotland though for him, no, it's is it? Not. It's um it's Shropshire, yeah. I think. And But the, it's like it's meant to be a harsh winter. It's a harsh snow winter and... and he freezes to death. Yeah. Whereas the servant is okay. The servant's a young man and he's an old man. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately it only gets sadder because oh. his mental state deteriorates to the point where he believes he's a messenger of God. 
Okay. And he sets up his own church called the New Jerusalem Church. He was and remained the only member of this church. Uh, Yeah. He would uh, sign documents. Mm -hmm. The servant of the Lord, Owl. And Owl was an acronym for Oh Wonderful Love. He would also date his publications in the first year of the New Jerusalem Church. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was really going quite mad. Yeah. He also began to believe that fasting, rigorous Mm -hmm. fasting, was important for health. Okay. Well, that's quite in at the moment. It's very in at the moment, but not to the extent that Dr. Graham was suggesting. Okay, so he's not suggesting the 5-2 diet. No, he is not. He is more like the Victorian fasting girls. Oh, no. Yeah. So he was frequently placed under house arrest for his own safety. Yeah. And in 1794, at the age of 49, he died in his home in Edinburgh. Oh. Yeah. So he had a rough end to his life. Yeah, this is this has turned very sad. It has turned very sad, but in a way, I think you know we can celebrate his life because even though he was a quack, mm-hmm. he had these really interesting views that you know some of them do mesh with what we think today. Like you know, a good diet of healthy fruits and vegetables, yep. taking regular moderate exercise, and like washing properly. Mm-hmm. It's like at the time, this is groundbreaking. Yeah. And, and he seems to have made some ladies' lives better. Yeah, Which absolutely. is nice. And uh, his poor people in America as well. Yeah, I think really he was a pretty good person who just suffered from some really horrible mental health problems. Yeah. He actually, like, in, in, his, word, in his own words, he suffered from a too eccentric and too expensive an imagination. Yeah, I can see that. And I think that's the thing. I think, you know, he was pretty decent as far as these things go. Like, yeah. had some weird views. Um, but you know, was a pretty good person. Yeah, I would have got in for some of his weird views, to be honest. Yeah, they don't sound like they were going to hurt you much. No, the Temple of Health sounds great. It does sound great. It like, sounds like a great relaxing getaway. Yeah, exactly. Go along, have all these like spa treatments while mm-hmm. beautiful people are dressed as Greek gods and goddesses, mm-hmm. and then there are the two giant porters. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that. I wish there was more about them. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> I wish there were like illustrations of them because I. Or everything I saw just referenced them as being giant porters. And I'm like, okay. how big are these people? I want to know. I want to see side by side. Well, I imagine if you're in London and you're willing to pay a lot of money, yeah. they probably are like proper giant yeah. people. Yeah, they could indeed have been people with gigantism. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like, you know, he had these pretty like strong visionary ideas mm. and... I don't think he harmed people, really. Like, No, I mean, it doesn't sound like anything that he was doing was particularly bad. No. This was at a time when women used to give their kids this medicine called Daffy. Mm. Have you heard of this? I haven't, no. It's just straight gin. Oh, like, right. Like, literally, that's what it is. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, if you're just saying, don't do that, have some fruits and vegetables yeah. and a mild electric shock, yeah. like... You can't really go too wrong with that. No, really. He's 
just advocating having a pretty healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And also, you know, there's some decadent splendor to go with it. I mean, so, why not? It I, makes people feel better. Yeah. It makes them feel a little bit pampered, which, yeah. let's face it, if you're a wealthy person with very little to do because you're a woman who's not allowed to do very much, mm. then that probably makes you feel a lot better just having, like, a moment of being pampered and looked after. I could totally see, like, a modern-day Temple of Health opening up in London or Brighton. Oh, yeah. Uh, it would do well in Brighton. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, like, no, you're I don't right. think people it's, have the cash for it in not, Brighton. And it's not kitschy enough either. No. No, but London, definitely. London, definitely. Like, and in fact... Yeah? In fact... In 2011, okay. <laughs> the Museum of London hosted a special Valentine's Day event. They built the celestial oh, sex bed. I love the Museum of London. <laughs> That's a great place. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is, even though I could find like information about this event happening mm-hmm. and like they have their Facebook post about it, I know it was a real event. Yeah. The actual page, like, with all the details about the event, which they salaciously are like, oh, don't read this page at work. Yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere now. Like, that that page is long gone. Oh, that's a shame. So, unfortunately, you can't find the details about it. But in 2011, the sex bed was remade. <laughs> so, Wonderful. well done, Museum of London. And well done, Dr. James Graham. You mad bastard. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to that episode of That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4. And if you have any suggestions for a topic you want us to research and do on the podcast, you can email us at ttwpod at gmail.com. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronous, and any other music that Barnaby's put onto the podcast. And thank you for listening.